Hi, and welcome to the IBSI Views podcast. I'm Sinova Kolostiak, and with me in this episode is Iggy Bassi. Iggy is the CEO and founder of Servest, a startup using earth science AI to help financial companies mitigate the short and long-term effects of the climate crisis. So Iggy, thank you very much for being on the podcast. Servest aims to help companies climate-proof their assets. So can you explain to me what does that mean? Yeah, sure. So first of all, Sylvester is building an open access AI platform so we can look at what we call asset level climate intelligence. I think we've moved to a point where we have better tools, um, things like machine learning, satellite data. We're able to now look down at an asset level and say, how do we make this asset more resilient over time? The first thing we do is obviously just measure, understand what's already happened to a particular asset is sort of what we call baselining risk. Um, understand what's already happened or when will something happen, why will it happen, and what could a bank or a financial services company do to remedy that asset over time. So it could be looking at things like flood barriers, fortifications, different material building composition over time. So climate proofing is understanding your forward risk and saying what actions can I take today in my financing decisions, but then how do I transfer that to the um, operating company so they can take the necessary intervention um, in their asset. Mm. And the company, the startup, Servest, who is that? We're a relatively early stage company. Uh, We've been around for five years. We're based in London and we have pulled together some of the world's best statisticians, Uh, machine learning experts, and say, can we come together and can we start to understand and quantify climate risk at an asset level so we can begin to personalize people's climate risks? Then we share that across a platform, both to the banking sector, also to large operating companies and also governments. So for the first couple of years, we were largely focusing on research. How can we understand asset level climate risk across multiple hazards? And how can we do that simultaneously? I think that just looking at single risks like flood risk or fire risk or drought risk over assets doesn't really give you the whole picture. It can be misleading. Um, It's certainly going to be incomplete. Climate's behaving in new ways that is really compelling us to think about what we call multivariate risk. So the first couple of years was largely research. Then we did a couple of years worth of proof of concept with some very large clients across the world. We have also worked with several large governments to say, how can you start using and encoding what we call climate intelligence? We don't call it climate risk analytics because we think climate intelligence and the climate problem is more than just a risk framing or a compliance framing. This is fundamentally, how do we rebuild our economy? How do we think about a net zero economy over time? So this is more about how do we make better decisions? The climate problem is not going away anytime soon. It'll be with us for most of our lifetimes. So the question is, how do we create climate as the new business intelligence so you can understand what's going to happen to your assets? What action should you take? How do you think about the allocation of your investments? How do you think about new geographies for um, growth? How do you think about decarbonizing an asset? How do you think about future-proofing particular assets in different parts of the world over different timeframes? So we brought that together to allow anyone to use the platform. So this is what we call an open access. That means anybody should be able to use this uh, from any part of the world. And we're launching the platform fairly soon over the summer. And initially, we'll have a couple of hundred million assets on there that people can query. So these are largely built assets. So urban environments, looking at things like building, real estate buildings, factories, water treatment centers, etc., 
Then over time, we will add what we call biological assets um, to start looking at farms, farmland, and forestry as well. Over time, we want this to be an open access platform so that we can start creating a harmonized and a standardized view of climate intelligence. So multiple parties can start understanding we all have assets which are common to us. So a bank, an insurance company, an operating company, and shareholders, they all have a vested interest in a single asset, but they all have very divergent views of risk today. We're saying, well, if we can harmonize that risk, share that risk, then people can make more intelligent and more structured decisions around how do we think about climate risk for this particular asset. So when you talk about companies becoming more climate intelligent using your platform, looking at the tech side of it, utilising machine learning and AI, how do those tools help financial services and other businesses become more sustainable? I think the first thing to do is to understand what's already happened. So if you're looking at a portfolio of, let's say, existing assets, it's key to understand what's already happened to these assets. So we take a very deep time series data. We look back about 40, 50 years um, at a particular asset or an asset location where that asset is today to say, what's already changed? Which risk has changed the most? Which one has accelerated? Why has it accelerated? And what does that mean for the next 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years? We go all the way up to 2100. But the machine learning is designed to learn all the interactions around that asset that are likely to happen, things like the change of state. Now, how does that feed into decisions on existing assets? Well, we want people to understand when something will happen to their assets, but also to quantify those impacts in such a way they can start saying, oh, do we need to accelerate adaptation or do we need to downgrade the credit? Is there likely to be value loss on this asset? How does that feed into internal stress models or regulatory models, for instance? Can we transfer that risk through better insurance products? Now, the benefit of using climate intelligence for new assets is you can propagate that intelligence at the inception of a project. So if you're building a new hotel, a new factory or new power plant, you can encode climate intelligence from the very beginning. You can think about a net zero pathway for that asset. Also, you can truly understand the physical aspects to what's going to happen to the asset over time with some forecasting. Again, our machine learning is really designed to constantly and continue to learn across multiple variables of risk and then start telling you, when do we think things are accelerating? Do you have enough insurance over this asset relative to the risk? Also, I think the way financial services are going to engage with large companies going forward is they're going to have periodic check-ins to say, well, every three years, your new credit financing will be subject to a periodic climate intelligence test. So we, we design an audit trail which runs back years and years, but also goes forward. So multiple parties can start assessing what's happened to that asset over different timeframes. That becomes disclosable. So that could feed into new TCFD frameworks, for instance. We also provide the shared body of evidence so the operating companies can really understand what interventions can I take over time, both of my existing assets and also for my new assets, to optimize the risk and also obviously to build it in a net zero fashion from day one. It's a lot easier with new assets. It's very, very difficult on existing assets. And remember, most of the world's urban environments are already built out. So this becomes quite challenging for banks to understand physical risk alongside their existing transition risk modelling that they have to do. You briefly mentioned the Task Force on Climate Disclosures, the TCFD. Do you think the task force is proving effective? And 
what more or less do you think needs to be done to hold financial companies to climate accountability? Oh, I think it's far too early to talk about accountability. I think what they have is a very good general framework initially for voluntary standards. Now it's becoming mandatory in several countries, including the UK, New Zealand. I think the EU will likely adopt it. I think we're likely to see a, some sort of Biden effect kicking in. So maybe in the next couple of years, you'll have something like eight to 10,000 publicly listed companies subject to the mandatory disclosure. But again, I think the framework itself is too loose at the moment. And we would like to see that tightened in the next couple of years to say, let's get down to asset level specificity. Let's think about scenario plans that are actually probabilistic and realistic. I think there's too much interpretation today. And obviously, once it becomes mandatory, it's easy for company A and company B to start disclosing against that standard right now. People are acting on a voluntary basis. So they're just declaring what they want to declare largely. I think there's some interesting analysis on the TCFD reporting to say, I think there's something like 3.7 on average of the 11 uh, metrics that TCFD look for are actually reported against until it becomes mandatory, until it can get down to asset level granularity. And also fundamentally, until it starts adopting a standardized methodology. So I can compare assets in Germany to Argentina to New York City, for instance, against the same cohort of assets. That's when it becomes truly powerful. We're probably a few years away from that yet. Mm. It's a great start. So with the kind of the planning around scenarios, are there links that could be drawn from COVID, for example, where there was that big very quick shift, but people have been talking about the green shift for a period of how many years? <laughs> Decades. Yeah, so this is essential. This is why we need to understand what's already happened to assets and start developing early warning systems over these assets across millions and millions of assets to say, how will they get affected? What if temperatures accelerate faster than we plan, than we've actually modeled out, right? What do the interactions look like? Because we've seen novel climate events happening year in, year out, right? We are reaching new thresholds in multiple dozens of countries every single year. So whilst we have projections and also forecasts, we don't quite know how they behave. We will never know until we reach those different scenarios. So this way, scenarios and stress testing and taking things up to 8.5 on um, RPC all the way down to Paris Align show the multitude of what's likely to happen under different scenarios, but link that to economic models. I would love to see greater econometric models attached to climate forecasting models, Because I think it's only when people begin to understand the magnitude of potential volatility that people will start to take action. And this is where the regulator should really step in. This is why we'd like to see a tightening of TCFD in the next three to five years, not just against scenarios, but against economic losses, potential losses, the magnitude of those losses. Because shareholders should know, markets should know, and markets should begin to price that forward climate risk into today's valuations, something that doesn't happen yet. Another thing I'd like to touch on is, obviously, climate-proofing asset is an aspect of ESG. And looking at kind of ESG funds and ESG investments, they've been outperforming the wider market. But, I mean, is that something that is widely known that they are? Or are you still in a position where you have to convince the industry to kind of sacrifice profits in favour of green options? Well, 
this is fundamentally why we have to quantify risk and show investors that this is not about sacrifice. In fact, ESG-based funds will outperform over time. De-risking and pricing the risk into your financial products today is the ultimate way to reduce the long-term risk. And so I don't see it as sacrificing. I actually see it as understanding your risk truly, pricing that in, because it's in everyone's benefit. This is not a zero-sum game. Everybody needs the benefit because the bank still needs to fund. The bank still needs to deploy credit. Insurance companies still need to insure assets over time. So the more risk we can take out, the faster we can transition to a zero-carbon economy and stay within a Paris-aligned temperature framework, then all those assets become de-risked. It makes sense. It makes economic sense. What we're trying to do with our platform is to put an economic price on that risk. So people really begin to understand, well, if I carry on business as usual, these assets are likely to get highly affected. I'm going to be subject to massive write downs over time, or I'm going to be subject to new technology changes and suddenly my transition risk changes rapidly. So I think there should come a world one day where There's no such thing as ESG. All investments will behave sustainably. And this is why you need very strong regulation. But this is also why you need to go down to asset level and start understanding all the different counterparties next to assets and say, listen, we have common risks around these assets. How do we de-risk with better intelligence? Because it's in your interest not to wait for the shocks. You talk about COVID. COVID was a massive shock to the system. And in sort of many ways, it sharpened the focus towards climate risk now. I think we've seen a a huge surge of corporates signing up to TCFD. We've seen lots of governments moving their attention towards climate. We can't deal with these magnitudes of risk going forward. So early warning systems, better preparation, and thinking about where do we need to make the best adaptation mitigation choices early through quantified risk. It's probably the fastest way we can align everyone's incentives to start thinking about climate risks. One more question I would like to ask is around Servest and your plans. You said you're launching this summer. Can you tell me about what you're working on towards that launch and your plans going forward? Sure. So our initial platform will have a product called EarthScan, which is specifically designed for operating companies to understand asset level risk. So we will have pre-populated something like 175 to 200 million assets by the summer. That will allow people to build their asset portfolios across Europe and North America initially. Then by the end of the year, we'll have global coverage. So the platform will allow anyone to build portfolios, understand what's happened historically to their assets and what will happen on a forward basis. For instance, they'll be able to go down to an asset level and say, well, this asset I am sharing with my suppliers, with my insurance company, with my bank, everyone has a vested interest. But now I can see, for instance, one of my critical suppliers, they have risk in their assets because I can also see their assets. We have this concept of I see what you see. It's a truly open, transparent platform in the sense that I can see right through to my supplier's risk, my bank's risk, my insurance company, my counterparties. That would then allow, for instance, you looking at one of your critical supplies and saying, well, you're 20% of my critical supply chain, but looks like in the next five to 10 years, these hazards are likely to impact you fairly significantly. So what is your plan for adaptation? Because I depend on you. Therefore, you know, can we work out what, what is the best intervention, either through mitigation, adaptation, or through fortification? Because I still need those critical components coming in. 
But being able to see that for the first time at an asset level over multiple scenarios and timeframes, we can plan better. We'll have time to plan, right? Because you could wait for that 10-year event to happen and suddenly your supply chain becomes very risky, becomes unstable, impacting your cash flows, your EBITDA, ultimately your valuations. So knowing early and knowing on an open basis and on a standardized basis allows all parties and counterparties to really take the actions early. Thank you very much, Iggy.